0: Hey everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host Rob Oliver, and my smart person today is Anastasia Lipsky. She is the founder of Access Speakers, which is a full-service speaker and podcast guest booking agency. She has worked; she's secured over fifteen hundred speaking engagements for her clients, and. She joins me today to talk about podcast guesting. Anastasia, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. It's such a pleasure. I am thrilled to be able to chat with you after hearing you on Katarina's podcast and then listening to your podcast and being able to hear some of your guests. and I've really enjoyed the things that you've been sharing here, so glad to be a part of
0: it. Well, I appreciate the kind words. So let's talk about this. Let's start with where did, like, what's your backstory? Kind of how did you get to where you are today?
1: Well, I personally think it's a God thing, because when I think back to these crazy paths that he sent me down, I don't think I could have thought this up, because what I do is very unique. The podcast booking agency part, we have a very unique model. The idea of a podcast booking agency is not new. The idea of a free speaker agency, which is what we focus on, is very unusual. Uh, People pay us to book them to speak for free but they know that it's one of the best marketing tools that's out there so i actually started in tourism that's what i did for more than 30 years of my life specializing in international tourism especially and uh you know luxury tourism and i did a lot of event planning and had a lot of experience with that which then led me into an opportunity to ultimately be part of a social media conference and help them vet speakers. So I was on the other end of it. This was during, well, 2008. (laughs) Remember that year? That that was not a good year. I actually walked away from a very, very good contract because I'd never been unemployed and thought, no problem, I could be hired. (laughs) And uh, yeah, tourism was hit hard. So I went through a two year period of not having sustainable work and threw myself into social media. So I therefore got into that social media conference because of my interest in it and my experience with event planning. I also did some side work if you will on at a sustainable farm. Again, through a social media connection at Tweetup back in the early days of Twitter when people didn't know what we were up to. And that person ultimately came to me and said, hey, my business coach has told me that I should be speaking to grow my business. I don't know where to begin. You've got connections. At that point, I was still unemployed. You know, so I had, I had done a little bit of work for the, the conference, a uh, little bit of work for, for this farm. And she said, I'll pay you. I'll, I'll just, you line them up. I'll, I'll pay you to find me gigs. I'd never done it. I had no idea what I was doing, but I'll do anything once, twice if I like it. So I thought, okay. And I just started reaching out to Rotary Clubs because I knew that they needed people and then started reaching out to networking groups. And when people would connect with me, they'd be like, wait, do you have more speakers like this? Because first off, she was amazing. Um, and, And not many people represent people who speak for free. It's just not the norm in the industry. It breaks the traditional model of a speaker agency that takes 20 to 30% of that speaker fee or honorarium they get on behalf of their clients. So I found I was good at it. My client, it was her number one marketing tool. It was how she got more people to come to her farm. All she did was talk about sustainable agriculture and then invite them to the farm to go on a tour. And when they get out to their farm, they'd see how amazing it was, see her operation, and then they would sign up for her weekly CSA so that they were getting a box of meats and vegetables every week from her farm. Or maybe they spent money at the farm store that day, but it it was a really effective tool. So she was like, You everybody's got to do this, every business has got to do it. Started telling all our B people, you know, and little by little people found out about me. I to this day have not marketed. My business per se, every single client has come to me through a referral with the exception of one client who's one of my oldest clients that found a very old tweet. I'm not even on Twitter anymore. I'm like so over That's So, you know, <laughs> it's not exciting for me anymore. Um, everybody else. No, it, it's just been through referrals. So when you stumble upon something that works and you're good at it and there's a, there's a need for it it just naturally grows. So okay. that's kind of how it happened.
0: Right. So help me out. you used a couple of acronyms in there. Um, CSE, CSA, Sorry. I'm assuming is a crop sharing agreement. Is that?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes.
0: And you also mentioned BNI, which is?
1: That is a networking group, uh, Business Networking International. I'm not okay. sure. It's a networking group that's... Um, I I guess international. (laughs) Sure. So a lot of people go in there and they have weekly meetings and, and connect with each other that way. So my apologies, I, I know better than to use acronyms, but I did.
0: Nope. No problem. (laughs) But we, we swim in the, we swim in the ocean of alphabet soup and it's all good. I just like to make sure that we're, we're all on the same page. So I just want to key on something you said, people are paying you to get them booked to speak for free. Yes. Tell me a little bit like, um, it's so counterintuitive because, you know, <laughs> to be to be a speaker, you want to go out and you want to, you know, Tony Robbins is making a buku bazillion bucks every year because he's getting paid massive amounts of money per speech. Right. And you're saying, um, no, let's let's get you booked to speak for free, but there's obviously going to have to be some value in there that you're selling right. your clients on. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yes. So the people that I represent are what we refer to as platform marketing speakers. They are people who speak for free to grow their business. Let's say you're a chiropractor and you go out to local groups and you educate them about spine care, how to take care of themselves. You're not pitching yourself. You're just educating them about the importance of hydration, the, the the research to prove why that helps with your spine, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're just going out there sharing your passion, your expertise. And if you do that well, if you do it to bless the audience, what will happen is that there's going to be a certain percentage of people that are going to resonate with that. And they're going to think, you know what? I've been having this crick in my neck for years. Maybe I need to go to them. Or my brother-in-law is complaining about his back pain. And then they're going to then come to them as clients. So so there's that. And it really doesn't matter what your business is. If you can get out there and educate people about it, it's, it's going to help you get seen. There's, there's this, the, the Google juice factor, the SEO factor search engine optimization so that people can be found online is really powerful. And there is this idea, this concept of law familiarity. So the more often your name is seen out there, the more people are going to have this automatic sense of trust that comes with that. But more than anything, when you are communicating with them, you, it's almost like sample advertising, which we know is one of the most effective forms of advertising that's out there because people get a taste for who you are and what you're about. And it's an energy thing too. You know, there may be sometimes that someone's just not going to relate to you, but it may be because you remind them of somebody that they don't like, who knows? So if a person does this well, then they can use that to generate influence, awareness, and clients. That's kind of my tagline in the the ebook that I wrote. So, there, so there's that aspect of it. Ha- having said that, there is also the free, the uh, professionally paid speakers, who are the ones that are doing this as a business. So it's not using speaking as a marketing tool, but speaking is their business. But unless you're a celebrity, You don't just decide one day I'm going to be a speaker and somebody's going to pay you 10 grand to talk. You got to pay your dues on the free circuit first. And you also need to not only build visibility, but you also have to have that experience. You might know something like the back of your hand, but until you have shared it multiple times and really tweaked how you can present that, you're not going to be as effective and you're not going to be able to command those types of fees. So I do have what, we, what I refer to, at least, as emerging speakers. And those are the people that are in that process. So they'll still pay us to book them to speak for free, but they're pulling it out of that marketing budget because they know that they need to do this in order to get where they want to go. Uh, the, you know Malcolm Gladwell talks about the ten thousand hours towards mastery, and we we know that the more often a person is out there sharing their message, the better they're going to get, and the more they're going to be seen. So that so there's that as well. But yeah, it, it is a very unique model, and uh, I I love it because I feel like I'm making a difference in the world. I believe in the messages of all of the clients that we represent, and I can help them get those messages out to more people.
0: Sure, and. Um, one of your clients, I think is Jill Lublin, who yeah. I had her on and, and her, her paraphrase of your idea is, um, it's the, I think I heard of you somewhere before concept, yes. right? Yes, so yes, that yes. It's the, what you were talking about with the familiarity. Uh, okay. So we talked a little bit about the speaking side of things, but what I really wanted to bring you on today to talk about is, um, the podcast guesting mm-hmm. as a way to build your brand and, and as a, as a marketing tool. So let's let's talk about that a little bit because these days, um, you know, if podcasts are becoming ubiquitous. There are just there seems to be a bunch of them, and and it, everyone says, you know, well, if you're going to do something, well, go ahead and start a podcast. But you're saying let's not start with the why start a podcast, but let's go with the other direction. And you're um, guesting on other people's podcasts. Can you talk about how like? What opened your awareness to this and kind of how does that whole concept work? Well, that
1: would be called COVID. So (laughs) I did, you know, for years I have had some of my clients ask me if we could book them on podcasts and I did not have the bandwidth at all. And then March of 2020 came along and that was a very bad month because every single email I got was a cancellation. I basically lost my business overnight. Uh, The only other person I know that had a free speaker agency with a similar, yet we were different, a similar business model, and she and I, we had communicated with each other, so not competition. She shut down. She shut down on COVID. So there I was uh, in shock, like so many people, and I had to embrace the pivot word of 2020 and thought podcasts. Podcasts always have been virtual, and they always will be virtual No matter what goes on in this world people can podcast and and the idea of being able to come up with something for all my grounded speakers because now they've got nowhere to talk so i started doing that now in the very beginning especially not every group was on the virtual bandwagon now so much time went by that a lot of groups have gone virtual um, uh, some of them are hybrid. Some of them are going back to in person. like you know, it's just kind of all over the place. But the podcast guesting, that's still happening. So I just used the same technique and process that we use for our unique speaker agency and applied that towards podcast bookings. I feel like we do it differently. I most of the other podcast agencies, I feel they they charge like a package rate or a monthly rate. And I believe they guarantee you X amount of bookings. We do it differently. We just charge on production. If we get you booked, you pay. And it's only for something that you actually want to be booked on. We always mm-hmm. run it by you first. So that's, that's kind of where it started. And what I found is that it's a, a great way, again, for visibility when speakers were grounded the ones that are out there on the podcast, those are the ones that are going to come up at the top of search engines now that the world is opening up again, and we're having meetings again. So there's that as well as just the visibility as a whole. Now, I think being a podcast host and having your own show is awesome as well. And so podcast hosts often will want to be guests as well because it's one of the best ways for you to continue to get visibility and there's not sometimes there's reciprocity you can't always have reciprocity because it really depends on on the subject matter you know no one wants to be interviewed or interview someone that's not really a good fit for their audience you always have to be paying attention to the end listener not not whether it's a good fit for the two of you to swap. So like you and Katarina Rando, perfect swap because of what you both speak on and your audiences. So that makes total sense. So it's not just people who don't want to do a podcast host. Some of my clients are podcast hosts themselves and they do podcast guesting. But it's a great way to get your message out. And I personally will take podcast guesting over speaking any day. <laughs> I I would just rather have a conversation than to do an actual presentation but I know that for many people the speaking is where it's at and I get that and I support that and obviously because that's what I do for a living right
0: sure yeah and I mean there are a couple things that go with podcasting that make it to me that make it advantageous the first of which is that when you when you do a presentation most of the time it is available only for the people that are in the room at that Mm -hmm. point in time. Right. Whereas with a podcast, it, um, you know, the, the location spans the globe. It can, you can be heard by people around the world. And additionally, the podcast episodes live on in perpetuity. So after the episode is recorded, somebody can hear that again, later on down the line. And what you're, what you're doing is you're, you know, you're, both broadening the scope of who can hear it and you're broadening the length of time as to when that message can be heard. And I think that that, that definitely is advantageous. And Absolutely. Let's, let's talk about this. Um, do you have tips for people on how to be good podcast guests um, as opposed to, you know, listen, I've been doing this now. It's funny. You say COVID, right? And, <laughs> um, my Learning from smart people started. Guess when? April of 2020. (laughs) Um, Because I I wanted to do a podcast, I didn't have time. All of a sudden, like you said, in March, my my calendar opened wide up, and all of a sudden, I've got time to do what I wanted to, but didn't have didn't have before. Um, I get all kinds of pitches from people who, you know, are not actually suited for my show, and I get a pitch that's all about them, or I interview someone and it's. It's basically a 30-minute infomercial mm. for what they do or it's 30 minutes in which they talk about themselves and there's really no value given to the audience. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, suggestions for people on how to make sure that you are finding the right podcast and then once you have found that podcast, how to make sure that you're adding value?
1: Yes. and. I like to think of this as etiquette. I often use the word best practices because that seems to fall better on people's ears sometimes, but I am a 60 year old grandmother. So I do come back to etiquette and how you treat people and keeping in mind that you always want to be from the viewpoint of, of how, what if I'm the host, what would I want if I were the host and what would I want if I was the listener? You have to remember that the ultimate goal of any podcast host is to get as many listeners, subscribers, downloads, ratings, reviews. So anything that you as a potential guest can do to support them in that, that's what you want to focus on. And number one starts with making certain that your message is in alignment with theirs. Because if it's not, you're not serving anybody. That's not good for you and your branding. It's not good for the host. And you you might waste your time because the host may just choose not to air it Or if they do, it's not going to be one of their best episodes. So, first off, make certain that you really are a good fit. And that means listening to the show. At least, at least listen for maybe 10 minutes of a couple of shows. But I'll tell you what, if you listen until for at least for one full show, then I, I, I'm hoping you ask the same three questions. A lot of times hosts will have questions at the end. And you're not going to know that as a podcast guest. And it's kind of nice to prepare yourself. Like, I'm really hoping you're going to ask me the same three questions that you asked Angie. Oh no. Okay. Well, nonetheless, I did my homework. All right. Y'all. So just, if you are podcast guesting, Always listen to the end because some people will have questions and sometimes it's the same question. So you can be prepared, but you want to make sure you're a good fit. I I can't tell you how many people have reached out and offered themselves on shows that don't even have guests. Hello. And it's so easy to find this out. And I will tell you of all the platforms that are out there. The one I like to look at the most for the quickest summation is Apple Podcasts. Because if you go to Apple Podcasts and you look at that show, you have a description of that show right then and there. It tells you what they are into. You have, you can see when their last show was. If it was, you know, nine months ago, you might not want to reach out to them. Or if they only, their shows are so, so like, um... Not consistent. I'm losing right. my brain, turning to thought. Erratic, erratic. And right. you know, you look at them, it's like, ah, not, no, not really feeling it. You've got to pay attention. So you want to look at the description. You want to look at how many shows they've done, when their last show was. Are they consistent? What their ratings and reviews are, because that's going to be important to you as well. Read some of the reviews and listen to some of the shows. Ideally, you would actually do a review yourself, rate and review the show yourself. And then when you are, you know, I like to call it proposing. I really, there's something about me and the word pitch just doesn't feel right to me. So we propose our clients to hosts. And when we do, we always want to make sure that we've got something that's rather personalized in there. So if you are proposing yourself to a show, when you do go to that show, you say, you know, I really feel I'm a perfect fit for your show because on episode 239 when Sally Smith spoke about XYZ, I speak on something similar but from a very different angle that I really feel would benefit your audience listeners. Something along those lines. That tells that host right off the bat that you've first you care enough to even listen and secondly that you're kind of reaffirming that you are a good fit. Now ultimately the host may still not feel it. And that's okay. We can't have attachment. You know, when someone either doesn't respond or they come back and say, no, you just shake the dust off your sandals and you move on, but you're going to greatly increase your chances. If you personalize it, then when you do the show, make sure that you, you, you know, Oh, oh excuse me. I want to say one thing else. When this show comes back to you and they ask you for content, please get it to them you know if they ask you for your bio they ask you for your headshot they ask you to answer some questions don't sit on it for two weeks you know these people are busy you're busy right so and some hosts have very specific things that they want in advance so people need to make sure that they're very responsive you know or maybe they come back and say here great love to have you here's my calendar link and then someone doesn't respond to it for two weeks crazy so so there's that. There's oh my gosh, I could go on forever. Let me let me just stop and just just leave it with that right now because I know that we have a limit amount of time. But I can also talk about things to do after the show if you would like.
0: So I think that's wonderful. Let let me just let's go back to the you said proposal. Yeah. Um and um when you I think that you're spot on with this. When I get someone who pitches me or sends me a proposal or whatever you want to call it, and they can. They specifically mention an episode. They specifically mention something that they heard on the show. It, that puts them at the top of my list. Okay, as opposed, there are people who send me stuff, and it's it's the same proposal that they sent to every other podcast that's out there. And their hope is that you know, if I send to enough, one of them's going to have me on. And at and it, it's actually. Less about making sure that I get on the right podcast, and more about just making sure that I get on a podcast. And right. to me, it does a disservice both to the individual in their expertise, and it does a disservice to the host and to the listeners as well. Because if you're not if you're not bringing the right stuff, then you're not you're not enriching those folks. Uh, so talk to me about two things. Number one, when you're working with people on those proposals on the on the pitch, um. I know that you use a one sheet. Can you talk about that one sheet, how to prepare that one sheet? How to, you know, are there some mistakes to avoid something like that so that people can kind of have, have some guidelines moving forward?
1: Absolutely. So one sheets for clarification in the speaking world uh, can be referred to as a one sheet, a speaker sheet, and it's basically a media sheet That gives the the meeting planner or the podcast host the opportunity to have a summation of what you're all about. If you're going to do a one sheet, and I do recommend it, make it professional because if it's a crappy one sheet, it will actually damage your brand more than if you don't have one at all. So that's number one. Uh, and, it, and I'm not saying that you have to hire a professional. You can go to Canva. Uh, you can. There are uh, one-sheet templates that you can get. And also, one-sheets can be more than one-sheet. So depending upon how prolific a speaker is or a podcast guest is, sometimes it'll be, a, you know, two pages, but we still refer to it as a one-sheet. There are the speaker one-sheets and there are the podcast guesting one-sheets. You can also do kind of a combo. Mine is like a combo. Uh, I... I I really prefer, as I shared, I prefer to be an interviewee on on a, a guest on a show, so it's geared a little bit more towards that than my speaking. But I do speak when people invite me to speak. You know, I rarely ever say no. So the you can do one of each or a combo, but the main difference is is in what you're sharing on that one sheet as to whether you're talking about you as a podcast guest or you as a speaker. The biggest mistakes that people make on these one sheets is number one, they forget their contact information. No joke. Like I just, I I saw a one sheet that came from a marketing company and there was no contact information on it. And they said, well, we attach it to the email. I'm like, that gets separated. It gets separated. Anyway, so their contact information, number one making certain that you are basically promoting yourself as a speaker and or podcast guest you're not promoting your business so a lot mm. of people tend to talk about what they do for their clients mm. they have testimonials about how great so and so is they helped my business with this or they helped with that blah 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 that's not important you're going to you're going to get business because you're speaking or you're podcast guesting, but you need to convince that person that's on the other end that's considering you that you're a great podcast guest or a great speaker. So keep the focus on getting you booked to speak or booked to podcast guests, not get you business. That's not what a one sheet is for. It is important to have testimonials. It is uh, very important to have a, a, an idea, like a list of where you have spoken before or what podcast shows you've been on, just so that they see that you've done that. Now, I'm going to say that if you're just starting out and you don't have that list, that's okay too. But one of the beautiful things is that now that everything is digital, the one sheets are all digital. So they are not... Uh, Used to be you'd have to print out your speaker one sheets by the thousands and then you find a typo or or you just got a really great gig that you really want to be on that podcast or that one sheet. And and now it's too late because you want to use all 1000 of them. Right No, you can you can change it up. Every time you get booked for another show, you add that to your list. And then what's going to happen is eventually when you're on so many podcasts, you be selective about which ones you list on there and make certain that what you're listing are the shows that either have notoriety or they are most in alignment. They are most in your lane of the types of shows you want to be booked on. So those are some of the key things. I mean, there's a lot more that can be said about it, but I would say that those are the primary things. The other thing I, I do see, one last thing that I see people making mistakes on is a lot of times they're really highlighting the person's name at the top. And the name is kind of secondary. The highlight really needs to be on what you are about. What are you, What what is your primary message? You want to kind of hit them with that being the primary thing that's going to catch their eye. So,
0: yeah, wonderful. Okay. Um, we are almost out of time. We're actually out of time, but I'm going to make an exception for you. Okay. (laughs) Um, and that is talk about what, what are like one or two things that are your tips for once you have been a podcast guest, how do you maximize the value of that podcast appearance?
1: Okay. So, uh, first off, may I take a screenshot of the two of us? Absolutely. Okay. So I am going to be sharing socially this screenshot and saying awesome podcast with rob oliver i'll let you know when i know this is live but 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 you know a lot of times they're not so you know i'll I'll share the link when it's out etc so enjoyed my time with him absolutely loved it check out his show i've listened to it really liked angie by the way angie because she's about podcasting right um and and then you tag the show host Okay, and and make sure that you're getting them the visibility because that's what it's about. Right. Personally, I like to also send a thank you note. Now, I know this is the old grandmother etiquette that comes in. But I tell you, that goes a long way because guess what? Rob, you know, people, you know, other podcasters, I want you to be my new best friend, because I want you in your circles with other podcasters to be saying, you know what this Anastasia she's awesome, y'all got to have her on your podcast, because that's one of the best ways to do that. And I will ask you, do you know of any podcast shows that might be interested in my message? I will also be sending you a request for a testimonial about me as a guest. I also will do a testimonial about the podcast host on LinkedIn. I do all this on LinkedIn because then it's permanently attached to you because wouldn't you want more testimonials about you as a podcast host on your LinkedIn profile? So those are just some of the many things that you can do to get visibility for that podcast host. It's just sharing the love and, and treating people like you want to be treated. If I was a host What would make me happy? What would I love for that guest to do after the show?
0: Excellent. I think that's great advice. Listen, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about what you do and learn more about um, your organization, what's the best way to do that?
1: I have a simple thank you page. If you just go to accessspeakers.biz slash thank you, in there it will give you a a link to you signing up and getting a my ebook if you want my book on using speaking also it applies to podcast guesting okay but speaking to grow your business, to generate influence, awareness, and clients. You can get that free ebook. And it also has information about my monthly Q&A. It's a free virtual Q&A to pick the brain of a speaker and podcast booking agent. And and that's it. And I also recommend anyone who's doing podcast guesting have a, a page specifically for this purpose. Make it super simple. Just hide it or don't publish it on your site. So that it's specific to anyone who's coming to it. And then, then you can have put whatever content you want in there and you can check mine out as an example.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Listen, it is time for three questions to establish oh your humanity. Are you ready for these, my friend? <laughs> yes. No problem. I, what was your first job? Oh, First
1: job was working for Western Motors in Petaluma during high school as an an admin an admin person, and uh, it was actually a lot of fun to work with all these. Well, they, they seemed very old salesmen to me, but now I'm, I think I'm their age. So that's where I started Absolutely. administrative work. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, what is one thing that you will never do again.
1: <laughs> I will never balance a huge pot of boiling turkey stock uh, leaning against my body with the refrigerator door open, trying to make space for it.
0: Excellent. Um, and <laughs> the last question for you is, um, what is the, what is your favorite comfort food of whole time if if you're ever having one of those days where you're just stressed out and you think you know what if I could just have this it it just makes me feel good
1: well I would have to say well Talenti pistachio gelato but I the the one thing that I turn to the most and honestly I eat it maybe 80% of my days I make my own popcorn I use sprouted popcorn I cook it with duck fat Coconut oil, olive oil. I use grass-fed butter on the top. I sprinkle it with nutritional yeast, turmeric, and seaweed, which I know people are probably gonna think it's crazy. But let me tell you, it is so good. Oh delicious. And I generally will eat it in the bathtub while listening to an audiobook.
0: I, okay. Um, I <laughs> All information that, that may have been a little bit more than I was asking for now, <laughs> it, it's all good as long as you are happy and you're enjoying it. it. And, makes and I makes me say,
1: happy. It fills my soul.
0: <laughs> I will say you're in very good company, but my mother is a popcorn addict and um, oh, just spends all of her days trying to figure out uh, what time what time she should put the popcorn in the microwave. So um, listen. <laughs> not... Anastasia Lipsky, thank you so much for being here. You are indeed a smart person for all my listeners. Thank you for joining us today. This has been a trial run for, I've got a podcast interview marathon coming up on May 6th and 7th for the Perspectives on Healthcare podcasts that I do. Keep your ears and eyes peeled for more information about that. And in the meantime, I will remind you that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.